This is the Teaching Primary Music Podcast, where you will learn effective, tried and true methods to teach children the gospel of Jesus Christ through music. I am Courtney Ekman. And I am Charlotte Dance. This is the first part of a four-part series on different learning styles. Today, we're going to talk about visual intrigue. And in the next episodes, we will go over living music, purposeful movement to a steady beat, and concrete word representation. So, Sharla, what do you mean when you say visual intrigue? In the Howard Gardner book about the different intelligences, one of the things he touches on is visual. And there are people in the world, children in the world, who notice color, who notice shape, who notice patterns of color way more than they do other kinds of things. For instance, I have a child who knows what I wear every Sunday. I don't know what I wear every Sunday, but this child notices it. They notice your mouth shape. They notice the colors. They notice the patterns of colors. It's super, super important to them. The other thing about visual intrigue is that a young child learns through images and gestures, and that's proven that that's how the two and three and four-year-old learn, but they don't learn from them unless they can really ponder them, think about them, puzzle over them, and that's thus the word intrigue. They have to be intrigued by the images. If an image just shows up and there's no reason he's engaged with it or she's engaged with it, it doesn't go into their brain. It just kind of goes through as if it were, you know, a bird flying through their brain. It, it doesn't lodge. And so visual intrigue are things, visual images, colors, shapes, that lodge into the brain because they're intriguing. You have to think about them. You have to puzzle over them. That's what I mean by visual intrigue. Tell us a little bit more about the science behind visual intrigue. I'm going to start with a story. Long ago, not long ago, 15 years ago, there was a Stanford professor and his assistant who was getting master's doctorate kind of thing. And they came up with the idea that There's so much data in the world and people would be able to comprehend it better if they could see the data and how it compares. The company happens to be called Tableau and I walked into the Tableau office and looked up at all of these abstract, what I thought were paintings on the wall. What I came to learn was they were visual images of data. One that I particularly noticed was the ocean. And it was the temperatures of the ocean put out visually, you know, red for hotter, blue for, and they were, and they waved and they showed the peaks and stuff like that. You could figure out how the ocean works by looking at that picture and being intrigued and trying to figure it out way faster than if you were looking at the data on a spreadsheet. That happened with all kinds of things. I once saw a visual image of the McDonald's in Paris (laughs) and how many hamburgers they sold and how many whatever by the images that they had and the the size of where the McDonald's were. And it was amazing. You could capture in a minute what all of that data had to say. And I think that was because of the research that this professor had done into how people process visual data. So guess what? Let's apply that to children. They can capture quickly if they're intrigued and trying to figure it out and trying to really puzzle over it. And when they see the visual images and they have to figure out why and how, boy, it lodges fast. What I'm saying, though, is that there are visual images that we've used for years 
that don't lodge very fast because we don't present them in a way that the children ponder, that the children puzzle, that the children have to figure something out. They're not intrigued. I happen to know a teacher who was sitting down with some children, a three-year-old, and they started showing images for the song in order. And the young child, the child was only three, said, boring, so that low enough that this person sitting next to them could hear it so that the music director could not hear it. And I thought, oh, they could have done it and said, these are out of order. Can you help me put them in order? So they had to visually intrigue and visually capture and puzzle over something. Right. Give them something to do. Mm -hmm. Right. We all need some sort of responsibility, Engaging some reason mm-hmm. to be there that we are needed, right? We all feel that way. I feel that way in Sunday school lessons and Relief Society lessons. We want to contribute, and that is the way that they contribute. Oh, I can help put those in order. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can help figure that out. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, visual intrigue, that's kind of what we mean, and that's kind of why we want them to be different and that you have not the same visual intrigue every week. Walk me through a few examples of using visual intrigue with younger children. What would I do if I wanted to start doing that this week? Okay. So if you already have some visual images for the song, perhaps you're doing picture of Christmas or something like that, where you have the stable and you have a star and you have the angels and you have a manger and you have the animals, all of those kinds of things. Don't put them in order. Put them around the room and say, I'm going to tap somebody on the shoulder. And as I sing the song, will you come and put these images up on the board? And then so they're retrieving the images. They're trying to find them in the room, which is also intriguing. And then as you put them up, say, is this how they go in the song? Let me sing the song. And you raise your hands and point to the one that goes first. So you sing the song and you, you help them and they put it in order. And then after it's in order and they've been working with these images now for six, seven minutes, you say, I'm going to take three of them down. Look at them quickly, put them on your inside chalkboard or your inside whatever you're going to call it, inside TV, and you're going to remember these images. And you take them down and you say, what color was this? Who was in there? Did you notice, was there grass or not grass? Ah, was there a star or was there a sun? And they're, they're trying to remember and put it literally into their brain. And then you sing the song and say, you've got to remember that picture now when we sing the song. So you sing the song and you point to the space where the picture was. It's amazing that the children will remember what that was. They put it inside. Eventually, you'll take down all of them and you'll have sung the song probably five to seven times. And they have a visual, intriguing memory of what it was to see that song. That's visual intrigue is not the only way, but that's what we're concentrating on today. Listen in the next three weeks and we'll concentrate on the other ways that you present the song. But wow, that one's a powerful one. Give me another example of visual intrigue for younger children. Okay. So one of the visual intrigue for children that also goes with concrete word representation is hand movements or hand kinds of things that represent a word. In fact, it's one of the quickest ways. It's kind of the ASL sign language type of thing that you can do. But you teach them, you know, here's Jesus. Here's the sign language for Jesus. Here's the sign language for repentance. Here's the sign language for cradle. Here's the sign language for star. You know, and 
it doesn't have to be all the time the sign language. Sometimes it's better just to point up to a star or sometimes it's better to just show a place where the baby sleeps instead of the actual sign. Those in your ward that are hearing impaired and use sign language really know how to interpret some kinds of things. In fact, the sign language for kneel before the Savior is actually your little fingers kneeling on another hand. And that kind of thing is something that they will pick up quickly. So I'm advocating you using ASL or actions that embody what the word is trying to say. For instance, I know a leader that just put up little stick figures of the actions that he had taught the week before. And then they had to put those in order and figure out what they were. And some of the children were not there that week and they still grabbed hold of it and were able to do it, put it in order and do the sign languages with them. That's one of the reasons you teach young children how to say, thank you, I want more, I've had enough, because they are actually able to do those actions even more quickly than they are to form the words. So that's another example. Okay, I'm going to give you one more example. This one's a really fun one. It's reveal the pictures. You take a picture and you print it out on nine different things. So you, you so poster size. Poster size. So you are taking an eight by eleven, eight by eleven, and you can do it in your computer. Print as a poster is print usually poster. the checkbox you're looking for. Right. And so you put those up backwards on the board, and you're singing. You say, "As I sing, I'm going to reveal." a little bit of the picture, figure out what it is. And you do one of the corners where you only see the, the only the very bottom. You do the top where it's only the sky or whatever you're revealing. I've seen that effectively done with a picture of the Savior who comes at the second coming and they have to figure it out. And what is it as you're singing about the Savior coming or as you're singing about the Savior at all? That is a new idea I've actually never heard of. Can you walk us through from the very beginning okay. how you would present that. I've just done probably a wiggle song to get them to me, like um, my hands up on my head, I place upon my shoulders, on my face, at my waist, and by my side, that one. And then they say, look up here. There are a whole bunch of pictures, but they're turned backwards. I'm going to sing and turn one of them over and then turn another one over and I'd like you to figure out what it is. Hold up your hand if you think you know what it is. So you have to have an, enough substance to the paper so that it doesn't show through. Anyway, so I'm singing, I'm singing. I know my Savior lives and loves me too. I turn over one. The Spirit whispers, I turn over another. Mister me and tells me it is true. And you turn over another. And then I have a, a little boy in the front row Often there's a sunbeam that'll raise their hand and they have no idea what they're raising their hand for, but I give them a chance to answer. I'm like, oh, almost, almost, but keep watching. And then I sing it again and I turn over more and then I'll get more hands and I say, oh, there are so many of you that know it, but there's some of us that don't. So I'm gonna sing a little bit more and turn over a few more and keep your hands raised, keep it in your head. And I turn it over and then they say, it's the picture of la 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 la. How does it relate to this song? What does it have to do with this song? They give me a few answers. Um, hopefully the three-year-olds don't say, I have a dog or I have a cat. You know, they're my, so cute. My dog had puppies. That's right. <laughs> they're so darling. And then you sing the song again and say, what colors do you notice? What shapes do you notice? I'm taking them all down. And then they have to remember it. I say, what, what was right here in this part? What was over here in this part? 
and and they're like uh you know trying to, even an adult's going i think that was his hand i i think that's part of his robe oh i think that's a tree you know that kind of thing it just lodges in the brain so much quicker and then you change to a different activity how's that one for it wonderful okay <laughs> so we've talked about younger children how are older children developmentally different for visual intrigue what changes happen between a three-year-old and a 10-year-old at age seven they go into a phase that's called logic phase it happens about seven seven and a half eight years old and so they start becoming more critical in in a good way critical of i'm seeing this and this is this way and why is it that way and this is i see that hmm, this is more important than that, this is less important than that. They kind of go into that mode. That's why they love puzzles and word games and things at those ages, because they're trying to figure out the logic of the world. And so you use visual intrigue in that way. If I ever do puzzles where I have cut a picture into three or four different parts, and I'm doing three puzzles for the younger children, I do seven for the older children and have them do it as fast as they can and try and critically say, okay, it's this color, so it must be this picture. It's this image, so it must be this picture. That kind of thing. Another thing, they love puzzles, and it often can be uh, puzzles with color. That's one of the things that visual intrigue does. So if you put all of the words that start with an F in this color and all the words that start with a C in this color, and all the words that start with an A in this color, and you put a dot up for every single word, say, what does this color puzzle have to do with this song? Like, I love to read the Holy Scripture. So you have one for S, you have one for L, not all of them, so you can have a neutral color. They have to figure out what do those colors, what does this pattern, what does this logically have to do with the song? And it lodges for them. One of the things that I've done is I've taken shapes of a song, um, for instance, Keep the Commandments. Keep the commandments, keep the commandments. So I put maybe a triangle and a triangle. In this there is safety, in this there is peace. So safety is uh, maybe a different color of circle and, and peace is a different square. And I say, what does this have to do with the song? As the stake music leader, I went into a different primary that I've never seen before. I've never met the kids before. They were so fast. They got it immediately. And then I would say, I'm taking away this part of it and tell me what it was and sing it. I'm taking away this part of it. So it lodges in the brain. So they're intrigued. What does this shape mean? What does it stand for? Oh, that's another thing that older children they are so much more able to symbolize. In fact, they found that symbolizing starts around age seven and eight. There are children that can read when they're four or five or six, but the real symbolizing that really lodges into the brain starts about age seven or eight. And so that kind of symboling with pictures, symboling with shapes, symboling with colors really goes well for those older children. They love to be intrigued. They love to be challenged. Walk me through a singing time where you use visual intrigue for older children. One of the ones that I use is concentration magic game. So there are pictures turned around and within the 12 that I have up there, there are six matching pictures. They have to turn one around 
and then turn another one around and see if they match as I'm singing. So I'll tap a person on the shoulder and I say, turn this one around, let everybody see it, turn this one around, let everybody see it, but I'm singing as we do that. And then if they're not a match, we turn them back around. And then I tap somebody else on the shoulder and they try to find the match. And it's amazing that children will erupt into applause when they get a match. And then we leave those out if they've been matched. And it's very, very fun. The last two that are to being turned over, we tease each other. I don't know if you can do this. Can you, you think? And, and usually if they're a teasing type of child, they go, oh, this is so hard, you know, and they turn over the last two. But meanwhile, they've heard the song three different times, seen the visual images that go with the song because they've been doing it in a concentration match it form. Notice I didn't ask the children to sing with me. I'm singing so that the children can hear the song. And that's because sing is reproducing, especially something that's composed by someone and the lyrics have been made up by someone. You're reproducing that song. You don't have to lodge just the words. You have to lodge the melody. You have to lodge the rhythm of the words. You have to lodge the beat that goes with it. You have to lodge the feel of it. And so they need to hear it a lot of different times and be intrigued. And the concentration magic game gives them a visual intrigue while they're hearing. Can I do one more? Of course, please. <laughs> okay, so that works for seniors a lot. You have a, like 12 for seniors. Sometimes I only have eight for, for younger children. But for younger children, one of the things that is a visual intrigue kind of thing is I draw the song. As I'm singing it, I draw a picture and I draw another picture and I draw another picture. And it's amazed. They just watch me like a hawk trying to figure out what it is I'm drawing. A long, long time ago, I'm talking 70 years ago, maybe 60 years ago, uh, Captain Kangaroo that was on television for younger children. And one of the things that he did all the time was magic drawing board. And it would draw something with a little bit of music as the children were watching. And the children were intrigued because it fits their developmental level. And then you can also erase one of those and say, what, what picture was that? Or erase this. It's amazing how intriguing it is for younger children. Another twist on this that I learned from you is to have them draw the song. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So you give them out and say, will you draw this part of the song? Will you draw this part of the song? I do it with the older children. And then I use those pictures with the younger children. And I show them, this is what the older children drew for you. And I show them the pictures. And they, they're intrigued because somebody they knew drew that for them so and then yeah. and then I get to sing three and four times as they're trying right well my favorite thing to do with those is to put them into a little music video and share it if you have Ward has a Facebook page or if you have an email distribution list because the parents love to see them too what and so idea. <laughs> and then I get to watch them one more time where you know oh this was important enough my artwork was an important important enough that sister Ekman put it in a real life YouTube video. I mean, that's a big deal when you're seven to be on YouTube. Fantastic. So those are just some ideas. One of the other things that I want to mention is the colors of a ribbon wand. There are some children who really need those colors and they need them moving through space. And so if you create a pattern like circle, circle on your left, circle, circle on your right, touch the ground, touch the air, circle, circle like that, they feel the colors and associate them with the music. There are children that actually hear music and give it a color in their head. 
that sound sounds purple to me. It's pretty amazing because that's the way they view the world. One of the things that I'm going to mention here, and people often ask me, so you just did this? And how does that make the children, how does it help them learn the song? I take a video, like, for instance, um, with Jesus came to John the Baptist. I take a video of him being baptized. I turn off the sound and I sing the song as I'm pointing to some of the images on the screen. And I sing it probably a little bit slower. And I look at different kids and I point to them and I point to the image and then I sing a little bit more and then I finish the song and that's it and I have people asking me all the time why did you do that it's not going to help the children learn the song they only heard it once part of it is because when I said there's melody there's words there's harmony there's beat there's rhythm another thing that they need to associate with the song is the feel of the song images do that really really well especially if they're of the Savior in a real-time thing where, and we have all of these images now that we can show of the Savior as he's doing something. Another one I've done is, if the Savior stood beside me and showed Savior ministering to people. And I sing that song as I show those images and that's all I do. But it goes deep into the feeling part of the brain and it helps them have a relationship with the song. So they want to learn it. I think it's a brilliant way that you bring the testimony of your testimony of the song into singing time. I have been in a workshop where you have done a silent video to did Jesus really live again? And I'm not sure I've ever felt the spirit of that song the way I did when you sang it and you just sang it once and then we moved on to the next thing. And that's been probably six years and it stayed with me because I can remember the testimony of that song. And before that, it hadn't actually been one of my favorite songs, but because of your testimony of it. And so I think that's a way, you know, they hear it the next week and you're doing something else and they remember, oh, this song is important to yes. Sister Dance. Yes. And so I want to learn it. Yes, that's, that's very sweet. The other thing that is brain-wise about that is the place that we have feelings is deep inside, a little bit above the brain stem, and it drives learning. It drives memory. When you have a feeling about something, you remember deeply. In fact, one of the quotes of one of my favorite brain people, I guess I'll call them, is that Children will remember the attitude, the feeling of what you've taught them more than they will remember what it is you've taught them. It's a great way to have that happen. And we know that the Holy Ghost speaks and speaks through our body and speaks when we see visual things. It's amazing. So I'm grateful that we have that tool at our disposal to use with everybody. Not everybody does visual as well as others, but why not use it? Capture those that have it, that talent, that propensity to take things in visually. And it's so great because we have so many tools as primary music leaders. Thank you for listening and a special thank you to Dana Carden for composing our music.